fellow humans, it's the Dockiverse Podcast, episode number 49, Ham Milkshake. In this episode, we've got RPG prompts, the Friday grab bag, and commentary. And now, let's get started. Hello there, gentle listeners. Welcome back to the podcast, episode 49. I hope the last few days have gone well for all of you. Things around here have been pretty decent. I believe that you will be hearing this podcast probably the Friday after my 25th anniversary. I've kind of lost track of when this is going up. Anyway, I'm sure that was well. Grace and I are not going to do a whole lot. We're going to stay home because... We don't have a lot of excess money, but we do have enough money to have some great chow while we're home doing whatever we're doing. I'm going to remind you all right now that PDF number two for Instant Places drops next episode, and we'll have all the enhanced information on the podcast. The PDF, of course, will be available on my Patreon for a mere $3 a month. The enhanced information will take a little bit longer, I think, than the last time I did on the episode for the first PDF, so I'm just going to have a monster movie review and the enhanced information on Monday's episode, and it'll probably still end up being a 25-minute episode. And now it's time to thank my patrons over on Patreon who support this podcast and the blog and the PDFs, and whatever else I do. So, thank you, David. Thank you, Avis. Thank you, Bruce. Thank you, James. Thank you, Marion. Thank you, Mark. Thank you, Kevin. Thank you, Peter. You folks all deserve a hearty pat on the back and possibly a cookie. But you're too far away for me to pat on the back, and I don't have any cookies, so... Figure out some way to congratulate yourselves. Moving right along here, folks, we come to RPG prompts. And I've got a couple of interesting ones today. The first one is favorite gaming environment. Well, I have gamed at home. I've gamed at other people's houses. I've gamed in hotel rooms. I've gamed outside in all sorts of settings. I've gamed at large conventions, small conventions, private rooms like in Dundercon, noisy-ass rooms like at Gen Con, and my very favorite place to game is in a living room with nice, comfy sofas and chairs and a nice coffee table or a table we can use at a proper height where you don't have to sit up close or have the table too high or too low with friends in a warm, not overly heated, not overly air-conditioned environment, plenty of snacks, plenty of drinks, a uh, dog or a cat. Well, okay, dog, not a cat. I'm allergic. But just a nice environment at home, my home, somebody else's. 
that's my favorite gaming environment. You sit around, you're a bunch of friends, you're doing your thing, you're having fun, and you can relax. It's not like at a con, although con games, I love running con games. It's just nice to be in a comfy environment to run games. So there you go. That's my favorite uh, gaming environment. Now, our next prompt is longest gaming session played. And like a lot of people who have been around gaming for a long time, and for all I know, the kids nowadays may do it. Who knows what crazy stuff they're up to with their streaming and stuff. But the longest gaming session falls into two categories for me. One is the longest gaming session I ever was part of. And the main one, which I'm going to do first, is the longest gaming session ever played with one group nonstop. And that was a 26-hour-long game session that we started at 10 o'clock in the morning on a Saturday and finished at noon on a Sunday. And I was one GM, and my buddy was another GM, and we had four other players, and we were exploring a dungeon, as one does. This was in San Jose. It was not with my longtime group down there. It was, well, two of the guys were from my group. The other three players were from another group I occasionally played with. And we decided to do this long-ass marathon game with no stimulants except caffeine. And I got to tell you, folks, by the time we got to the end of 26 hours, we were punchy. Some of the people were really hyped up because they were shooting caffeine down their throat like it was going out of style. And it had made for a very, very weird game. There's no way on earth I could do that now at my current age. But back then, I was 27 years old. What the hell? The next game I played in that was long was not a game where I ran it all by myself. This was in 1978 shortly after my second semester of junior college finished, there were three different D&D groups, and we all had known each other, and we all would get together. We'd been to a few parties together. But we all decided that we would get together and run a big-ass dungeon. One of the guys had one all ready to go. And we would take turns GMing, me and two other GMs. And we would see how long we could run it. We started on a Friday evening. I would say around 5.30, 6 o'clock, somewhere in there. And we ran that fucker all the way to Sunday evening about 9 o'clock. And what we would do is one group would play for 4 or 5 or 6 hours. And then I would come in, or the other GM would come in. And we would take over GMing, same dungeon, same stuff, and some of the players could go and do things if they needed to, and other players from other groups would come in. Now, the group that we were running for was huge. It was 10 people. But that means we still had six or seven people who weren't playing at any given time. So they would switch off using the same characters, and we played all the way through that dungeon, which had three levels. That was the longest gaming session 
I've ever played in. But I was only doing a third of it. So at one point I had, you know, like nine hours because the guy got on a roll and he was GMing his thing. So I actually got some sleep. And as I recall, the entire gaming session lasted about 50 hours. So 50 hours to run through a three-level dungeon. And when it was all over, even the final group who had been playing for, I don't know, six or seven hours, was not really punchy or not really overly hyped up on caffeine or anything. Because like I say, it was three, three different GMs and a bunch of different players coming and going. And so it wasn't quite like that first, you know, 26-hour game, which just knocked us silly. Now, like I say, I don't know if people still do these massive game marathons. I know most people over a certain age probably don't because real life makes it hard enough to get a four-hour game together, let alone something 26, 27 hours long. But I would kind of like to see if these young kids now are doing this sort of thing. And I might even watch a streaming video of the whole thing, especially towards the end when people get really goofy. So that's my little bit about the longest game session I ever played. Next time we'll have a couple more prompts and see what happens then. We're moving on to Friday Grab Bag. And I, like I say, I pulled these ideas for Grab Bag out of my head because something has got my thoughts going in a certain direction. And this time, it's concert memories. I have been to a lot of rock concerts, hundreds. I especially went during the time I was living in San Francisco because I had access to the Bay Area. I was in the Navy for most of that time, but I still could go out on weekends, and I certainly did. And I didn't particularly like hanging around in bars with a bunch of other sailors or whatnot. So I would go to Winterland in San Francisco, see concerts, go across the bay to the Oakland Coliseum, go down the peninsula just a bit to the Cow Palace. And, of course, there were clubs you could go to and see local groups playing. I think one of my greatest memories would probably be, of course, the infamous Jethro Tull concert. I've seen Jethro Tull seven times in concert over the years. I remember the one at the Cow Palace because... The young lady and I had an intimate moment, third row back from stage, while the concert was going on, and nobody around us knew it. You know, if you see me at a convention sometime, buy me a drink, ask me the story, I'll tell you. Of course, all of the Grateful Dead concerts I ever went to were just great. Uh, You could get stoned just by walking into them. I remember seeing ELO, I've seen them seven times, the... One they did for the Out of the Blue album, which features the big spaceship on the cover. Yeah, they had a spaceship, and it's sitting there. It's all white. It wasn't painted up like it should have been, but it's sitting there, and there's all this steam and stuff rising around from it, all this smoke and fog, and then the top of it lifts up, and then ELO playing the song, which you heard before they ever appeared. They rise up out of that fog, And they're playing right there on the stage in the middle of that spaceship. And that was a mind blower. Seeing Elton John, the only time I ever saw him, he was doing the Goodbye Yellow Brick Road Tour. And we saw him at the Cow Palace. That was my sister, myself, my cousin, and one of my friends from the ship. Because I was in the Navy. We had just gotten back to uh, 
the mainland from Hawaii. And I got to point out that we saw Elton John on tour and the tickets cost $8 each. Yes, folks, 8 bucks to see Elton John. You would spend way, 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 way more than that to see him nowadays. And he's old and not quite as peppy as he was back then. Uh, I saw a lot of groups in the Bay Area before they were really big. I remember seeing Huey Lewis in the news very early on. Uh, in fact, I believe I saw Huey Lewis in the group Clover before he ever got hooked up with the news. I saw Santana, the Grateful Dead, Jefferson Airplane, Quicksilver Messenger Service. I saw them all before I was even out of high school, playing at like Golden Gate Park, stuff like that. I've seen Led Zeppelin. That was probably one of the greater concerts I've ever seen. And yeah, I really love going to concerts, but I haven't been to a concert now since I think 1985, 86. I saw the Kinks with a friend of mine. She had two tickets. We went up to Berkeley. We saw them at the Greek Theater. They were excellent, too. I don't go to concerts anymore because, A, can't afford them. The damn tickets are way too expensive. And, B, my hearing is not what it was 30 years ago, 40 years ago. So I listen to them on YouTube or online or whatever, and that's okay. So that's the Friday grab bag, my concert memories. I could actually probably go on for a long time, but I won't. And now we come to commentary. And this bit of commentary is topical and personal. It's called Climate Change? Ask a Gardener. And yes, if you want to know if there's really climate change, ask a gardener. Even the ones who deny climate change because they're fucking MAGA idiots or they work for an oil company or God knows what else. If you don't put the words climate change in and you ask them about their garden and how things are going, you'll find out that they'll say things like, well, you know, my summer plants are lasting, you know, they're blooming a month early and they're lasting another month in the fall and that's nice and uh, my winter plants are not dying off like they used to and blah, blah, blah. That's climate change. I have plants right out now in my garden that should be losing their leaves, and they're not. And in fact, they may not lose all their leaves throughout the winter. We're not getting as cold. We're not getting frosts like we used to. We don't even get the massive fog that Sacramento used to get, and the entire valley from Bakersfield up to Redding used to get, get when I was younger. And I mean 20 years younger. Um, plants are starting earlier in the spring. Plants are lasting through the winter. The growing of vegetables has gone completely bug fuck. This year, as last year, people were very hit and miss with growing tomatoes. And it used to be that tomatoes would start growing in the spring and grow all the way into the fall. Nowadays, if you have early tomatoes, they'll start growing in the spring. And you may get some tomatoes, and then when the hot summer comes, and it is hotter than regular, the tomatoes stop, because tomatoes are easy to grow, except they're very temperature sensitive. So if it gets too hot, they stop producing. If it gets too cold, they stop. They don't necessarily die, they just sort of go into suspended animation as far as the fruit is concerned. 
there are trees here that aren't losing the same amount of leaves that they used to because it's not getting as cold. There are fruit trees up in the hills that aren't producing as much fruit because they don't get the freezing temperatures they need. Yeah, any gardener can tell you stories like this, especially here in California. But I've also heard it from gardeners all up and down the West Coast, Midwest, the South, all over the place. So if you want to know about climate change, talk to a gardener, because we see it right up front. You can talk to farmers, too. They've got a story to tell about it. They know about climate change. A lot of people know about climate change, except the people who can do something about it. And you know what? They know about it. They just don't want to fucking do anything. And that's my commentary for this episode. All right, folks, I want to thank everybody for listening. And if you have a suggestion, comment, or question, I can be reached at Facebook, where I'm Doc Cross, on WordPress at the Dockerverse blog, via email at agentroscoe at gmail.com, or if you're listening via Anchor, you can leave a voicemail. And if you're listening on the Patreon page, you can just put a comment right in there. If you'd like to support me via Patreon and hear these podcasts two weeks before they go up on Anchor and get PDFs, both free and the kind you have to get for $3 a month, and hear many podcasts, and I'm about to record another couple of those, well, all you have to do is go to www.patreon.com forward slash Doc Cross and sign up for a buck a month, three bucks a month, a hundred bucks a month. And if you sign up for a hundred bucks a month, I will find you and I will hug you and I will buy you dinner. If you'd like to sponsor this podcast or advertise on it, get in touch with me by any of the methods I just mentioned. Our music was Robot Succumbeth by Dan Lebowitz off the Free Music Archives. This podcast and everything on it, except the music, is copyright 2021 by Doc Cross. I will see you all next time.